It's only 18 months since Tonga staged its first democratic elections. Just over a month ago, the king who made those elections possible when he relinquished most of his power died. A new king has been installed, and this Radio New Zealand Insight program asks what role he will be taking in guiding his country along the democratic path. King Tupo VI receives the ceremonial first cup of kava, heralding his traditional installation as the new monarch of Tonga. He succeeds his older brother, the late King George Tupo V, architect of Tonga's fledgling democracy. But the legacy the new king inherits is a bittersweet brew. The economy is going down the drain. He has to do something. A pro-democracy leader, Akalisi Pohiva, says Tonga is suffering a leadership crisis under its democratic reforms. And in a wry twist after the moves toward greater democracy, he, like many others, is looking to the new king to help. The monarchy already surrendered his executive power. He is no longer involved uh, in the daily running of the government, but he is still very powerful behind the scene. I'm Karen Mangnell, and this week's Insight reports from Tonga on the challenges for the kingdom's new democracy and its new king. Just over a month ago, a platform carrying the casket of the late King George Tupo V made its way to the royal burial grounds. In curtailing the normally lengthy royal burial and mourning ceremonies for his older brother, the new king, Tupo VI, has wasted no time signalling his priorities and his style. The former master of the royal household, Lord Vaya, explains. We have to actually salvage and bring the economy back up and that's where he'll be leading it from. Uh, not too keen on getting the people too involved in uh, long periods of uh, mourning. Um, these are signs that he wishes to get the recovery up as quick as possible. The expectation that the people won't be there, how do we go about this? Is, this is really our first real challenge to our modern uh, Tonga. Lord Vaya is a noble, first-time MP and cabinet minister and, as it happens, brother-in-law to the new king. Of course, he's a former Maywal uh, person, so you'll see a lot of thoughts, uh, the ideas and development being done uh, succinctly in such a way that you would see that very strong military precision. Action, action. Too much talk, it's no use. You talk and you do it. That's a thumbnail sketch of King Tupo VI from Tonga's Deputy Prime Minister, Samu Vaipulu. He served in the former Crown Prince's cabinet during his time as Prime Minister from 2000 to 2005. He says change in the kingdom has always been led by the monarchy. I have no fear of the future of seeing the king doing something other he was his great-great-grandfather who made the first set of laws in 1839. And now, 2008, uh, King George V said, let's do it. There's been no revolution or anything. It has come from the top, from the king. The new king is 53, married with three children, and after leaving the navy, served as a minister of defence and foreign affairs. He was Prime Minister until he resigned suddenly during growing pro-democracy protests that ended in the riots of 2006, which left eight dead and the capital Nukualofa in ashes. 
In 2008, he was appointed as Tonga's first High Commissioner to Australia until his succession to the throne in Tonga on the death of his brother in March. The new King's Swift Act to shorten the royal mourning period so that Tongans could get back to work is being hailed as a welcome sign of pragmatism by the deputy leader of Tonga's Democratic Party, Sitaveni Halapua. Unfortunately for him, he inherited this huge debt, a shattered economy, a failed economy, and I think he is more than saying, we have to roll our sleeves up and start working on this. There's a sense of agency, and I think we need that now in, in our country, that kind of leadership. Despite speculation the new king is more conservative than his late brother, Sitaveni Halapua doesn't believe he'll roll back any of the democratic reforms. But he also doesn't think that Tupou VI will hasten change either. Consolidation of political change is important. Further change, I don't think he resisted, but he'd like to see some evidence that if we can handle small change, uh, probably we would handle bigger ones. The veteran pro-democracy campaigner and Democratic Party leader Akalisi Pohiva is also confident about the new king. I think he's now in a much better position after being away from Tonga for a while. And I think during the last time he was the Prime Minister, I think he, he was not mature enough to understand uh, where we were at that time. But now during his absence, yeah, I think he was able to develop a new perspective, a new outlook. And I think he's now uh, well prepared to deal with the problems Tonga is now facing. Under the democratic reforms, the new king retains the power to veto legislation, hire and fire judges and the attorney general. He can also dismiss parliament and call new elections, appoint nobles and rule on land disputes. But the rest of the monarch's executive powers are now with cabinet and parliament. In the new parliament elected in 2010, people's representatives outnumber the nobles for the first time by 17 to 9, and the prime minister is chosen by parliament, not by the king. The multi-member people's constituencies were replaced with 17 electorates, each with a single representative elected by first-past-the-post. Uh, at first, uh, everyone didn't really like uh, changing to that uh, sort of election. Samyu Vaipulu is Tonga's deputy prime minister. He's been a people's representative for Vavao for 25 years. As the minister of justice under the previous administration, he oversaw the democratic reforms leading up to the election of Tonga's new parliament in 2010. Now they really like the idea as the uh, representative is closer with his constituency, whereas in the beginning the candidates only come to the constituency for elections and after that they don't see them anymore, but now they see them more frequently. Civil society groups which campaigned for the political reform say the democratic changes are gradually taking root in the villages. The largest independent non-government organisation in Tonga is the National Youth Congress. Its executive director, Vanessa Lolohia, says ordinary Tongans are taking a while to get used to being able to make demands on their MPs and hold them to account. It's slowly starting to work in terms of uh, people getting their voice behind and uh, the parliament uh, taking notice of what uh, people wanted from them. Uh, they have started uh, village or uh, constituency councils, which they start to put together what they wanted out from the parliament and submit it to their, their parliamentarian. 
The democracy campaigner Akalisi Pohiva has been a people's representative for 25 years and says the reforms have improved participation inside the Legislative Assembly as well. I asked Mr Pohiva outside the Parliament building where we met if the quality of government and the quality of debate had improved. Oh yes, we are now feel more comfortable, more independent in the way we express ourselves. Not only that, but the response from the government is uh, a little bit positive now. That was not the case before. But Akalisi Pohiva is less enamoured with the way the government was formed after the first democratic elections. He's the leader of the Friendly Islands Democratic Party, which won 12 of the 17 people's seats in the reformed parliament in 2010. Despite having a majority of the popularly elected seats, the Democratic Party missed out on the prime ministership when a noble, Lord Tuivakano, won more parliamentary votes. Akalisi Poheva says that process, where nobles elected by a small number of their peers effectively outvote the general population, is a major flaw in the reforms and a huge disappointment to most Tongans. Well, the expectation of the people of Tonga before the election uh, was that leadership will be taken over by the people because His Majesty already surrendered his constitutional power to cabinet. However, after the election, we had five independent people's representatives out of 17, and they crossed the floor and, and support the minority group of the nine nobles. Then they, they had the number. Those nine nobles are elected by the holders of Tonga's 33 noble titles and a handful of life peers. The Democratic Party's deputy leader, Sitaveni Halapua, was on the National Commission which recommended Tonga's political changes, and he's unhappy with the nobles' use of their balance of power in the new parliament. I cannot see any possibility of developing and building an economy with that type of system. It's all about personal interest and it's all about number games. The national interest, what is good for the country as a whole, is completely squashed and disappeared. It's not it's a known issue. Sitaveni Halapua says the first outing of the new electoral system has produced other flaws in the fledgling democracy. The kingdom's population is about 100,000, and the eligible vote is much smaller than that. It's divided among 17 constituencies, each fielding up to a dozen candidates. I think out of, uh, out of the, the 17 elected members, only three of them got more than 50%. The rest of us got less than that, you know. Um, I got about 38%, which was considered very high, but still less than 30, uh, 50%. It's the same in the electorate of the managing editor of the online news service Matangi Tonga. Pesi Fonua says the MP who won in his constituency secured only a third of the 3,000 votes, while 11 other candidates split the rest. He says it begs the question of how democratic the new parliament really is. I mean, in total, if you really look at it now, I think those people over there are only representing a minority of the population. So they may be democratic in the sense that they were elected, but the percentage of the proportion of the population that actually elect them into the House, that's another issue. After 30 years of reporting on Parliament, Pesi Fonua is disappointed at the impact of the reforms on the standard of political debate and decision-making. I mean, if you look at the House now, it's just a group of individuals. They all sing different songs. Uh, when it comes to the vote, I don't know what makes them decide to vote for this and not for that, you know. 
So the politics hasn't really developed in the line that you think how politics in a democratic system works. Public opinion in terms of the democratic process is that government is better in terms of the fact that they are more willing to listen to the public and that they're seeking consultation with the public. Has anything changed? Actually, personally, I don't think so. In fact, in some ways, I think it's worse. Aloma Johansson is the head of Tonga's Chamber of Commerce, and she says the political reforms haven't made it easier for business or helped to deal with the growing economic crisis. She says businesses are ready to help, but are frustrated by the government's lack of action. There's nothing constructive that all of these people who are purporting democracy, we've got, had nothing. What happened to Parliament, all we hear about are all the other trivial social problems without hearing anything constructive about how we're going to build this economy up. The parliamentarians spend more time talking about rugby. The Reverend Dr Finau Ahio is the president of the Free Wesleyan Church, the biggest in Tonga. People are struggling. Our economy has uh, reached an all-time low now. Like many Tongans, most of his congregation rely on subsistence agriculture to put food on their table. The opportunity to earn a living through employment or running a business is limited as the nation's economy is struggling. The Asian Development Bank is forecasting zero growth over the next two years. Imports and inflation are rising, while remittances, money sent from family overseas, continue to fall. That combination of factors leaves the government more and more dependent on budget support and grants from overseas donors. Two large loans from China's Exim Bank mean Tonga's debt is now equivalent to 56 cents in every paanga or Tongan dollar. Tourism is the one bright spot and a new wharf for cruise liners is expected to boost that further. Dr Ahio says the biggest problem facing Tonga's new democracy is unemployment, especially among the majority of the population who are under 35. Most of our school leavers, 20%, they can have a job and also they are given scholarships to go overseas. But the 80%, they just go back to their homes and their villages just doing nothing. There hasn't been any discussion on unemployment at all. Vanessa Lolohia of the National Youth Congress says despite their best efforts, they've been unable to get youth unemployment onto the new government's agenda. The Congress is worried for those who don't get the opportunity to earn overseas fruit picking or gain further education on scholarships. The focus now for young people who don't have a job is to go overseas since if you stay here you have to look around and make do with the government job or you try to make your own job and that will be in agriculture and um, in fisheries but since there isn't any market available or any commodity that's been explored or have been for the couple of years it's no solution for them at all it's except to just go away Agricultural exports to Pacific neighbours is one of eight areas Tonga's Chamber of Commerce has identified to the government as having the potential to kickstart economic growth. The Chamber's Aloma Johansson says the government is following up, but not aggressively enough. Tourism is one, but government needs to work with the tourism sector. Find out what it is they want and then do enough talking and then give it a timeline. Because if you said, okay, we'll get this done in two years, okay, get it done in two years. And not get to two years and say, okay, let's give it another two years. Because I think that's what's happened, and that's why our economy is not progressing. 
The need to invigorate the economy is particularly pressing as there are huge debt repayments looming. The five-year repayment holiday ends in 2014 for one of the Chinese loans, which the ADB calculates will raise Tonga's loan repayment burden by 70%. Sunia Fili, Tonga's finance minister until a cabinet reshuffle earlier this week, says the loans were taken out by the previous government, but the money's doing a good job for Tonga. You know, the people of Tonga now, they are happy to see what that money is doing here in Tonga. If you take a visit to the eastern side, we have a very good road. If you look at our CBD, we have a good buildings here. And also the seawall works around. We have drainage. We have a asphalt road. The Deputy Prime Minister, Samu Vaipulu, says Tonga needs to borrow. We don't have money to develop our economy so that in future we don't always have to ask New Zealand and Australia for money. I'm not afraid saying that uh, Tonga is highly in debt. I say it's not in debt. Tonga is highly developing. Parliament is due to resume and there's talk of a vote of no confidence in the government. But Samu Vaipulu says they've got no reason to take such action. Uh, We've got to give some time to its government to have their ideas and prove that they can do things. You cannot do things in a day. Samu Vaipulu says the government is making headway. Talks are underway with Samoa and Fiji to ease quarantine restrictions for agricultural exports. And he says the government saved 2 million paanga, or 1.4 million New Zealand dollars, from last year's budget. It's cutting ministries from 26 to 14 in July and intends installing a scanner to help clamp down on evasion of millions of pa'anga in customs duty. But all that fails to impress the Democratic Party leader, Akalisi Pohiva, who wants the king to step in and demand action from the Prime Minister, Lord Tuivakano. The economy is going down the drain. He has to do something. Action, he may need the Prime Minister to take action try to do something so that we can move forward. We can't afford to allow the, you know, our economy to remain stagnant. Matangi Tonga's editor, Pesi Fanua, says the new cabinet, mostly made up of people's representatives, still hasn't come to terms with the fact that it now has full executive powers and control. And they are not making decisions firmly and really believing it. The Democratic Party's Sitaveni Halapua fears the government's lack of leadership on the economy is leading some Tongans to question the value of the democratic reforms. We have to be very careful about this. Uh, if we don't have a positive much things to show for this, then it, it can be a disappointment and, and people might say that this is a failed change. You know? Sitaveni Halapua blames the way the government was formed for its paralysis in dealing with the economy. He says three changes are needed. The first is for more electoral reform to some form of proportional representation. The second is for politicians to change the way they form a government. The people must have the right to select the nobles. This is not to get rid of them, but to, I think it will consolidate. It will bring them much, much closer to the people. And I think it's good for both sides in the long run. The Tomafakala ceremony to install the new king is part of the Pongipongi Tapu, the final farewell to the last king. Offerings of traditional foods are supplied from all the nobles' estates and it's a ritual that perfectly encapsulates the ties between the monarchy, the nobles, the commoners and the land. 
Here at Pangailahi, the uh, ceremonial grounds are absolutely covered with rows of kava plants, hundreds of trust pigs, and 10,000 woven baskets of food. Offerings from a village on the estates of Tonga's Prime Minister, Lord Tuivakano, are being laid out here by Nisi and her husband. My name is Eunice Tuiaki. My husband is a town officer. All the village, the whole village, we cook it last night and this morning we came uh, from uh, Nukunuku. We should be bring uh, two covers and the pig and the food. And how many parcels did you bring? One thousand. Yeah, when the king passed away, all Tongan people do that. We must do that. This is very foreign to the Western world, but this is what we have been brought up with. So we need to have a chief, a noble in the house. The, the Western world, they think that democracy should be for the, the ordinary people. Said, no, we, we can't do that in Tonga. Like many advocates of nobles voting for nobles, Dr Ahio of the Free Wesleyan Church sees it as keeping a mix of traditional and modern politics that is appropriate for Tonga. Lord Vaya, who is the head of the Tongan Traditional Committee as well as a cabinet minister, says one of the new democracy's biggest challenges is to keep its links to Tongan identity, culture and tradition. The nobles have done well over the last 130 years. They've assisted the growth of government, they've assisted the growth of democracy. Of course, uh, the nobles are part of uh, the kingship role within the village, within a small society. So it's an important link to how we exist and how we live. We have to put that balance in, in order for us to live in a society that uh, we can pay our taxes, at the same time retain our ownership and the land and, of course, uh, the sea that we have traditional rights to. Historically, the nobles have been in Parliament as the owners of Tonga's estates. Ordinary Tongans depended on them for their livelihoods. But Matangi Tonga's Pesi Whanua says that's all changed. I mean, ordinary Tongans can make education, they can make money, the same as anybody else make money. Under the whole Tongan land tenure system, they're supposed to distribute the land. And I think right now, most of those nobles, it's all subdivided and everybody have their own. So they become just like a, just like a figurehead. All three major inquiries into political reform leading up to the 2010 elections found the vast majority of Tongans wanted to keep the nobles voting for nobles and the people for the people. Lord Filetti Savelli, who as a commoner was appointed Prime Minister by King Tofahoe IV to oversee the democratic reforms, says ditching the nobles' vote is a reform too far. Nobility and the monarchy had had to give up a lot of their traditional powers, their economic clout, and giving out all the land has been a major reform over the years since 1875. We have gone far enough in that. Uh, I think we've got a, a good system, but we should allow that to work. But Democratic Party leader Akalisi Pohiva says getting rid of the nobles' vote is an unfinished business of the democratic reforms. We are having a semi-democratic form of government because we still have the minority group of nine nobles inside the structure. 
our task is to complete the political reform process, whether the nine nobles like it or not. I think that the best option for them is to support the process to make sure that we will have a fully elected government. The Democratic Party plans to introduce legislation before the 2014 elections, and Akalisi Pohiva expects support from some nobles and from the king. He says a smooth transition to a fully elected government is the responsibility of the nobility and the king. I think he will try to complete the political reform process. He has to do it. We do not want to see the same thing that happened in 2006. Is there any feeling similar to the feeling in 2006 around at the moment? No, I don't think so because people are waiting for the next monarchy to complete the process. That's what the, the people uh, expect him to do. Meanwhile, there is a political institution in Tonga which offers a glimpse into a possible future without a noble's vote, without even noble seats in Parliament. Since 2001, Tongans under 35 have elected five youth parliaments in an educational program run by the National Youth Congress. Unlike the grown-up version, the youth parliament has more young women than men and it's had a woman prime minister for the last three years. The executive director of the Congress, Vanessa Lolohia, says it's more democratic than anything Tonga has now. That's a very interesting uh, model that the youth really embrace. So I'm quite sure that they are quite aware from our, our youth parliament of what type of uh, reform or what type of democracy would they want in the future. Matangi Tonga's Pesi Fonua says Tongans are still more inclined to trust the king than the politicians they've elected to run the country. The Democratic Party Sitaveni Halapua agrees and predicts the new monarch will be kept on his toes. Uh, governments will still continue to look to him for leadership. I think the people would um, expect that too because um, we have this political change but uh, we have experienced for many, many years, one can say perhaps uh, hundreds of years, of uh, looking toward the king to provide uh, political leadership for the country. I asked all the local congregations in, in Tonga to have a special prayer for our king. And we pray for the government and our members of the house, and we pray for the people of Tonga. Dr. Ahio knows King Tupo VI well from his years as a lay preacher at the Free Wesleyan Church, and he's confident the new king will be a good leader. He'll continue on from what his uh, late majesty, his brother, uh, has accomplished, but I'm sure he'll uh, bring some changes. But I think that talking about changes it is a responsibility of the government. His late majesty gave up his authority to the people. So we, the people, we are the people who could do the changes to our country. And, people uh, still look to him, though, don't they? They still think of him as the leader of the government, even though he no longer has those powers. Yeah, that's what the common feeling of the people. I'm Karen Mangnall, and that's Insight for this week. If you would like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or tweet us at rnz underscore insight.